And of course, nice. Congratulations, Lenny. That's great, man. Hey, everybody, come on. Let's get together all in the house community and everybody. Let's support this. I'm going to give right after I get off here. So to make sure we, we, we do something, man, and, and get it off the ground. This is what we need for us, man. Vegas said the same thing. He said it's great for everybody. Everybody, yeah. because if we get this on prime time, we tell these stories to uh, millions and millions of fans around the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, back to Maurice Joshua. Here we go. Until, <laughs> until what happens. Go ahead. Okay, so when I first came in to the ID camp, so remember we got we got Steve, we got East Move, um, we got Jamie Principal, which was one of the classic so rock star. Bro, rock, rock star, right? Uh, we got Donnell Rush, Shante Savage, M Doc. So when I first signed with Frank, which Frank Rodrigo at, was the manager, was what the one who managed everybody, and it was his company. I told him. And I, I'm going to have to be blunt. And, and this is really blunt. And I, I say, listen, if I come into this company, do not fuck me. Because I, I will fuck you at the end. I'm, trust me on this. And I'm guaranteed I'm going to be loyal 100%. Just what? don't fuck me over at the end. Okay? Oh, don't, don't, don't do me. Okay. Don't do me. Right. <laughs> so every, everything hunky-dory. I mean, it's great. I mean, at the time when I first came in, uh, we started writing a lot of songs. We got like a... Our first deal was a $750 million deal. Uh, not $750 million, $750,000 deal. I'm sorry. Back then? Right. Oh. Yeah. $750,000 deal, uh, a, a, publishing, a publishing deal, you know, for songwriting and everything. And um, that's when I, I was like, okay, it was a lot of money. So it was five writers. So he gave everybody that advanced like about five grand. And I'm just like, okay, that, that's, that, okay, that's great. So we got an extra $725,000. Don't know where it's going to go because let me tell you something. At ID production, everybody had their own studio, which was the box because everything in there was all ours. Keyboards, speakers, uh, some of the uh, processing. The wait, only wait. thing that... Hang on, hang on. Yeah. ID studios, ID office. You yes. said everybody's got their own studio. So explain the ID headquarters. So it was, yeah. So the ID headquarters was a little small facility in Brookfield, Illinois. Uh, it was set up like it was a house. It was like a house garage. I don't know what I can't remember what it was. But Hurley had Studio A, so that had like the big mixing console. I, I think it was a Sony console, something like that. It you know with the vocal booth and everything. Eric had like the outside garage which was a trident board in there, you know, speakers and everything like that. Right. And then in my room, I was upstairs and I had, I had a Sony board. I forget which one it was, but then, you know, I, you, you come in there with all your gear. So everybody in, in the, each studio had their own gear in there, which I was like, I don't mind. You know, we, we working, we humping. Cause at that time we had, 10 remixes on the table that once we finish that, we got to go start another one. So at that time, what we do is Hurley never liked using the two inch tape to really just go and program. So what we did between me and Eric, we used to sample each line of every record and set them on the keys and keep mapping. So we will sample everything in the S1000, put each verse on it, on you know each key and set them on there. Chorus, ad libs, everything on there. So that way, Hurley can go in there, you know, place everything down. Now we got the same software, so it's it's not hard to get everybody the same files. 
and then it'd be right there on the map. So everybody's like had the same gear. So everybody had an S1000, S3000, whatever it was. So anything we got to do, get your dad, zip it in there. It brings all the files in there. Everything's laid up on the board. So that's why uh, when Hurley used to do mixes back then, you hear all the sample like Jamanda, all that stuff is laid out and hear play on there and come out with a different sample pattern, which was unique and was great. So we used to do it like that. So we'll, we'll, we'll finish that, go to the next step, do all the records. So now, at this time, we're, we're, we're pretty big right now. And I go in there and um, just myself, because I'm just like, you know, I keep a ledger of everything. You know, people don't think I don't be keeping doing business, but I do business pretty good, man. So I'm keeping a ledger of every mix that came in, how much it was, and how much we got for it. And I know Eric probably going <laughs> to dis disagree with me because he said it was a different number. But I remember, say, for instance, we get 18,000 for one mix. Now this is not Hurley included, just, just me and Eric, cause we, we, we got our own name now. So we doing all the remixes. So we're usually what we supposed to split the 18,000 at the time. Frank had a good idea. It was like, you know what? I think, I think he was giving us 1500 a piece, but Eric said he was giving us 3000 a piece, which I, I'm going to disagree on that. Cause I remember I thought it was just 1500. So I had an issue with that. Cause I'm like, okay, listen, if a mix is, say $10,000, $15,000, and you giving us $1,500 a piece, that's $3,000. Where's the $12,000? Where's that $12,000? So what he told me was, well, we have lights to keep on and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, okay, let me tell you something. It's not my business. This is your business. So if I have to pay for lights, I'll pay you for the lights. But I'll pay you out, out of the half to the twelve thousand dollars you're supposed to be giving me more. So I, you know, I'm, I'm just like that. Don't sound right. Now, me being a good guy, I, I let it roll for a little bit until I had another meet with all of them: Hurley, Frank, Larry, everybody. Because I'm a man, of my word. I'm like, I love y'all. I'm loyal. You call but, everybody. right. So, but when you mess with people's money, and it's like you can't do that. So had a meet with all them and it was like, I think it's fair, blah, blah, blah. You get, I'm like, okay. And now they remembering, especially Frank Rodrigo, God rest his soul. He remember in his head what I said when I first came in there. Now, if you didn't really think that and you didn't do anything, you wouldn't even think about that, but you tried to screw me over. So it was one night after that meeting I had with them, I did some James Bond stuff, Lenny. I took some duct tape in my hand and I put it on his door so it does, he can't lock it. He can pull it, but he can't lock it. So that night I'm working late and they knew what was going on because um, I think the, the week before I was in New York hanging with Masters of Work, Louie and Kenny. And they was doing the album that I, I I did it on there. It called it was it's a record was called Maurice's Vibe, and it was all that I did a mix of all that. And Frank Rodrigo and Hurley called me while I was in the studio with 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 uh with Kenny and Louis, and was like, "What are you doing out there? They are competition and blah blah blah." I'm like, "Not that competition. It's two different type of genres going on here. Not genres, but two different styles." And I'm just out here kicking because, you know, they, they asked, I was like, what y'all doing? We came up, we working. Yeah. So after that phone, I get back in my studio 
they took out the phones. <laughs> they took they 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 changed the locks on me. What? And I I, I couldn't because Eric Smooth called me like, hey man, they they changed the locks on you and they because they know you up to something. I'm like, well, I'm not up to nothing. I'm just making sure that my future gonna be good pretty soon. So I had to go and reach out to a couple of people. So Lenny, I got back there. And I was having a meeting at the time with East Move, Shantae Savage, and also who was there at the time was DJ Ferris, who's huge in Chicago right now as a Power 92, you know, hip-hop DJ. Um, so he was he was signed to the company, too. So that time when I, I put the tape on the door, Lenny, that same night, I went in there, pushed the door open, went in there with, with a flashlight in my mouth, got my original contract, and I... Right, Got my original contract, and I asked, I asked Eric and Shante, "Y'all want you?" I was like, "No, don't do this." You know, man, we let's just work it. I'm like, "No, nah, I'm tired of working it out." So I took my contract and DJ Fair's contract, get, and this was the original. Took it back, and they never have my contract in there no more. <laughs> and then that same night, I was gonna call a movie because I called Hula, I called my guy, everybody was like, "Listen." I'm about to clean this place out because each room we had songwriter rooms. We had, uh, you know, NPCs, you know, S3000 keyboards and everything. Now I was so heated because I was getting screwed over so much that I was like, you know what? I'm going to take Hurley's gear. I'm going to take everybody else's gear up in here and I'm going to have a moving truck to move everything. Cause I was pissed, man, but they locked, they changed the, do- the locks on his doors too, which you couldn't get in, man. That, Really, I was like, oh, that's messed up, man. I'm like, I, I didn't have a chance to get it, man, because they knew they were what he's doing. And um, long, long story short, they just like, they let me go because I'm like, I, I got to get out of here. And that's when I transitioned from ID to, I was doing stuff on my own, doing some remix. That's when I started doing the remix like Jeanne, all the other stuff like that for the major labels because I was getting the plug, you know, made all my calls, tell them I was leaving, no longer with them. So they had all my information and then I started doing all the major labels like that. Uh, and then I hooked up with uh, George Andrews, a.k.a. Georgie Porgy, that I, I created by music and then music plant. And then we started bringing in artists and things like that. Wait, wait. Say it one more time. You did What's what? That? You created what? I created Vibe Music, the label, and, mu- you and Music Plan. No, we, we did it as a combination. I came up with the name, the logo, and all the other stuff. Uh, but I first asked him, his job was to figure out if Vibe Music was available. And he said yes. So we went with Vibe Music for a couple of years. But then Vibe Magazine called us and was trying to sue us because of the vibe. And we got into a lot of situations like that. So I changed the name at the time because... It was so big. CNC Music Factory was so huge at the time that I'm like, I want a powerful name like that. What's just like factory? And I'm like, plant. So I put music, I say music plant. So that's how music plant came about. So at the time, it was, uh, you know, Georgie Poise as an artist. Uh, I had Michi, uh, Deborah, that was from New York. I, I always wanted to work with Deborah when she was out in New York working. Um, and then we had the producers, Terry Hunter and Aaron Smith from UBQ, which all I'm huge right now. Terry's doing his own thing. Aaron Smith has got over almost a billion views on Spotify. Um, he had a big record out 
uh, called Dance, and then it went viral with TikTok. So he's doing very well in that, man. So mm-hmm. everybody's doing a great job on that, man. So and then we 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 signed Music Plant to MCA Records overseas in in London. So we had we had our first three artists signed to major labels, man, which was distributed by uh, Music Plant would distribute through. MCA records, which was a huge accomplishment at the time because a lot of people in the 90s, independent wise, wasn't getting distributed by majors or anything like that at the time. So that was a big accomplishment what we did on there, man. So, so when you say distributed by a major, what changed for the company? You know, explain that because you're talking about a lot of labels didn't have a chance to be distributed. What, 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 yeah. what so, so at that time, so that means that, especially overseas, that's that's where we get most recognized overseas. So it, it was the imprint on MCA label, but we had our, also our music plant on, 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 you know, subsidiary from that on the side of that. So, um, that meant that we was getting noticed more because it was a major label out of London. So that means more distribution worldwide than anything. And at the time it was vinyl getting pressed up. So a lot of vinyl was going out. You know, so, yeah, and you know, back then when you're pressing up your own vinyl, you was only limited to all, all, on resources that you had that you can get into all the stores. So now we're in major stores now and retail stores that are selling records now. Virgin. Yeah, yeah Virgin, right, Tower Records, all that stuff. So it wasn't just like your mom pop record stores no more. You're in major distribution record shop. And that, that comes from... Uh, CDs at the time that was coming in big. So you had CDs distribution and that was in stores and, and selling, you know what I'm saying? So, which was really good at the time, man. And so after I left that, uh, it was a situation that happened. So I wouldn't partners with him no more. Um, I started doing my own thing. Um, and at the time I was managed by a, a lady named Connie V. She was with music Plant at the time. But did Terry Hunter stay behind with, with Georgie? He stayed behind for a little bit until he figured out the stuff that was going on. Because, <laughs> well, I'm gonna let uh, you ain't had Terry on yet, so I'm, I'm gonna let him tell that story. Oh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was um, it was uh, I, I don't know, man. It was kind of weird. What really broke the camel back on on my relationship with the with Georgia and, and the music play thing was, um, I was at home. You know how you get that gut feeling, like go to the office. And I gotta it's go. just I gotta go there. And, right. And this this is like 12, 1 o'clock and two o'clock in the morning. So I drove to the office and we just someone feeling right. So I'm I'm seeing a fax come through on a fax machine that it was for him to do an album deal for like a hundred grand. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'm like, so we're gonna get some money in this company because I already put up to start the company 30,000 into it myself with my own money. I'm like, okay, well, let's let's, you know, we I'm get my money back. And then some and find out. Right. So when I put it on his desk and I told him about it the next morning, he's like, oh, this not, this is nothing. Don't worry about it. You know, threw it, uh, rum it up and threw it in the garbage. So I'm like, oh, okay. It was nothing. But, you know, I'm, I work late, you know, I'm a lab rat. So, you know, that's so why I'm working late. And of course I go in and take the garbage out of all the garbage cans. So I go and try to look in the garbage can and see if it's still in there. And yeah. lo and behold, that paper is not in there. So that's when I know it was some BS, man. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be out of here, start my own stuff again. And that's what happened. So ever since that, been on the roll. But after that, it was really good because I started a label that was only in, it was, it, it was only like for a year. It was called Ruckus Records. And it was Ruckus Records that got, got distributed through Strictly Rhythm, which I was happy about. 
because Strictly Rhythm wasn't picking up a lot of labels either at that time. And they, they picked that record up for me, man, with Mark Goldstein and Gladys. And it was pretty good, man. It just it just fell into the loop where I just started doing more remixing and, and just, you know, couldn't couldn't keep it up. And then after that, I started doing my own thing, man. And, um, you know, here I am to this day. <laughs> no, that's good. No, that's good. Thank God you right. Yes. But let's talk about now how, you know, the remixing has made you, you know, really famous, Grammy yeah. and all that. So take us from you leave there and now we're into the remix world. And yeah. that, that right. time doing it, everything's going that route for you. Everything's that yeah. So so I take it to the part of um um we started what the, the lady I was talking about, Connie V at the time, started a management company called Two Hundred Proof after she left uh, music playing and everything too. So I went with her and we, you know, we started 200 proof production, which was her management company. Um, started getting, you know, using all my resources, start calling, getting remixes in. And it was this guy from Columbia records who was, uh, the dance promotion person, Dave German. Yeah. Remember Dave German. Yeah. And he called me on one day with like Maurice. I have this girl group that I think is going to be huge. I want you to do a remix on there. I'm like, absolutely. I'm like, I, I, I'm cool. I'm like, what's the name of it? And it was like, Destiny's Child. I'm like, that's a weird name. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. Let me hear the first single. And it was Bills, Bills, Bills. After that, man, I think it was a breakthrough because that was the big record for me, uh, remixing. Because uh, they came into town I recut all vocals live and then did a live session with them. So I, and at that time I took the same concept because people wasn't doing this. I took the same concept that we had at ID production. So when I did the, the bills, 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 I did my like exclusive remix that was kind of soulful. And then I gave them a more harder mix. Cause back then was big room anthem mix one on two. So I would I would do a, a, a like a big room and we call it digital black and groove and just put that name in there so it can be a different mix. So they started like that, man. And we when I redid the vocals with them, I'm like, man, that was kind of cool because they actually sang it to the track and they did different ad libs, which was really cool because a lot of major artists wasn't doing that to come in and fly in to do recuts of vocals. The one with uh, before then was like only David and Mariah, you know, to do some things like that. So I took that same concept and, and, and did that, man. And Matthew knows which Beyonce father came and was like, listen, I I, th I love what you're doing because that give us a different audience. And he got it. And so did the girls get it. And it's really rare that you would get an artist and a manager that really gets what we do because it brings in a different different audience to listen to you. So he was like, I love it because they playing these mixes overseas like crazy. And we get, they still getting royalties from that. They getting performances from that, everything. So it was huge. Radio was playing it. It was great. So that's when he called me. I was like, uh, I want you to be one of our exclusive remixes. No, not one. He wanted me the exclusive remixes for them. And he wanted to sign me to a management uh, deal too with them, the, you know, be a management part of them. So I, I did that man, did the remixes for and for a while and did basically all the destiny child releases that came out as a single. Mm -hmm. And that's when they came, he was like, 
Beyonce's going to break out and be a solo artist. I'm like, ooh, that's going to be cool. So, of course, I'm down with them. Um, and this is when I'm totally by myself and, you know, got my own studio and all this other thing. And the first single she was going to do was uh, Crazy in Love. Um, wasn't so I wasn't so crazy about it, but I was like, all right, cool, we're going to do it. Did the remix on that. Um, and I get the call from Matthew Knowles saying that this is nominated for a Grammy. And I'm like, wow, are you serious? My first nomination was uh, Say My Name was the first nomination for, for, uh, for the Grammy. So I got three uh, Grammy nominations. I got Say My Name, Bills, 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 and then um, Yolanda, Yolanda Adams remix. And okay. then the fourth one was the one I got with the Crazy in Love. Wow. So came on that, man, and then, uh, you know, worked some magic. And then, lo and behold, went to the Grammys that time, man. And they was like, um, it was crazy, man, because I was late in getting to the Grammys that year because at the time, it was, it was checking for, you know, all security was crazy that time because this, you know, during the after the uh, 9-11 thing and... So our limo driver was going to to LA and inside the stadium, man, and missed a turn after we got checked in through security. So he has to go all the way back out again into traffic, which was crazy. We get there, man. We get out. I'm hearing them when you're walking through the red carpet. You you hear them saying all the nominations, and Pharrell is up there doing it, and I just missed it, and I'm running in, and everybody's saying. You just won. I'm like, what you talking about? Won, they won. write, uh, right? Like, what? You, well, I'm just walking in. What's going on? Your category already came up, and you won the best remix for that year. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Excuse me, what I'm saying, but I'm like shocked. Right. I'm like, so now they taking me because when you go through uh, the tunnel area or the red carpet, you know some of the people because some of the people are Chicago chapters working for the academy at the time so they know you so they tell me maurice you have to go back to the press and do all these things and they dragging me throughout everything and i'm like i'm just getting here and freaking know, just right, what do you do now yeah. so yeah so i mean they take me in the back in back of press they ask me questions i took the picture with the grammy and that's there you go in history man you see the moment he kisses it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i mean yeah so Go ahead. So go ahead. So so I think it was that was a great. I mean, a lot of times people say Grammys don't mean anything, I, and and to me that's BS because this is your peers that votes for you. So they either got to know about you or like you or like what you do because they are your peers that vote for you at that time, and it's a big accomplishment because it's not the outside. It's no. It's just everybody inside in the industry that knows about you and knows about your work. That's why it means a lot. And I remember um, seeing Frankie Knuckles after that, and he was like, "Man, welcome to the club." He's like, "Congratulations, you worked hard." And it was an honor, man. It, it was just a, like a not a relief, but a, it's euphoric because Frankie and David was the icon because it was just like from New York. They did tons of mixes, man. That I used to play. And listen to, you know, coming up. And I was like, I want to be like them, you know, and it was crazy that, you know, yeah. And it was crazy, man, that, you know, you in that same category with them, which was a blessing, man. It was just a lot of hard work, just blessing, man. 
So does your life change after you win a Grammy? I, th- I think it does. I mean, sometimes it's, it's a gift and a curse sometimes because then some people don't want to hire you because it's like, oh, you're going to be charged too much, you know? Um, but it changed because nobody can take that away from you, from your name or anything by saying you're a Grammy award winning producer slash DJ, you know? So that stays with you forever. So of course it changed life because, um, people look at you a little different from them, you know, sometimes, but it's an honor because, you know, if you stay humble and do what you think, you know, you always going to get a notoriety, man. But I think it changed for the better because it just keeps you at a, a, at a level that you, you can constantly, you have to do better to try to succeed better. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, absolutely. Did. Do you still keep it the same work ethic that you did 25, 30 years ago? Are you still hungry like that to, to succeed and, and do the, the things that you know, you know, the, the challenges change, the yeah. landscape has changed. Do you still have that? We should say eye of the tiger. You still have that feeling? You know what, Lady? That, that's a great question, man. That That is a great question. Nobody ever asked that before. I think I'm hungry at, let me, I, I say this, I'm hungry at some time because sometimes you get so frustrated in this industry and, and, and sometimes you just need to step back and have a break. Um, you know, as you can contest, you know, we've been doing this for years, man. And to keep, keep doing it. Sometimes you get a little burnt out. Cause I remember back in 20, I think 2013 and 2014 or 2015, I was releasing a lot of singles. I did 109 singles, 109 in that year. Wow. So it, it's just putting out, and I, I, Sometimes you you try to put out quantity because you want to hurry and put some stuff out, but it's sometimes that you you know you take your time. But in this in this age and era, we don't know what's going to hit or what's going to take off because it's it's so up and down, cookie cut. We don't know what's happening, so it's it's kind of hard that you're chasing sometimes that that's still that rush to be like I want to do this, but then you hear something else like okay, well let me switch it up a little bit. So I think what you have to do is, is find your lane. And I think the perfect example for that, and I it, and I have to say, is like Louis. Louis kept it real, like consistent, you know, throughout, throughout what's going on. He's and a look, He's a forget- a workhorse. Yes, yes, no, absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. And just right. And consistently doing what he does and people are gravitated to what he, and I I love that outcome of what's going on, man. So I think, yeah, sometimes you can get in that and you can get, but you know, like we was talking about life happens too. And then, you know, sometimes you'd be like, well, I have to do this. Let me step back a little bit. But I, to me, I still have it because if I, if I feel a certain way, I get up early in the morning, it'd be two or three o'clock. I get an idea, put it down and then take it from there. I think right now we was talking about before, it's so easy now to do it because you don't have the hardware that you had to use before. Now everything's computer-based and you can put everything down there, you know, right there on the spot, which is great. I'm going to make everybody laugh now. You know, Maurice has been pushing his outdoor theater stuff. He sends <laughs> He's like, tonight's movie night. So I'm cracking up thinking, I'm wondering if he's having movie night and he's sitting like most of us with a, some sort of laptop checking music, maybe watching yeah. Like multitasking. I am. I am. I, I'm, I'm doing all that. I'm doing that. You're right. You're right. Like, the phone is in the hand, and we're like, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Still, and then we're like, right. Still oh. doing that. Yeah. And, and and this cool thing about it, man, is if you get somebody 
like my daughter keeps me abreast on a lot of music. So mm-hmm. it, it's crazy because it's so much music out there oh. that, you know, it's, it's, you can't do it by yourself. That's why you have to have a team sometimes because you just got to see what's out there. Just you want to hear what's really happening or what's going on. But I think the, the true thing about it is, Lenny, I think we have to do what we love, add a little something to it, but just do it. If it's organically, it, it'll come back to us and make it happen. You know, and I think that's that's the truth about it. Now, Mr. Joshua, I have to say, yes. you love your brother, too, because Xavier, we have all great memories together. You know, he's a yeah. great and he's big supportive of New York guys, too. He loves us. We love Absolutely. Him. Let's be real for a second, because you've laid a lot on the line. Is there mm-hmm. moments where you have the hate moment on the business? Like, real, like I, I could tell you straight up, I hate the new setup of digital world. I like the old way. We yeah, learn yeah. to live with it. We learn to work in it. Yes, it's our friend and our foe. Or do you feel that way at times? Like, would Absolutely. You it ain't times. I feel like that all the time. <laughs> yeah, all day. <laughs> all, day. Say all day, right? Yeah, because you know what? I feel we, we get in a rut as producers, DJs, of constantly we have to put some things out. And sometimes, I don't know, we have the team or just be like, oh, that record ain't too good. We, sh- we shouldn't have did that. Because I go back and listen to some things like, why did I do that? Why did I put that out? I, I, I think I rushed out because I wanted to hurry and put something out. I think back in the day when we had the A&R people um, on your team, promote, just sit down and be like, I like this. Let's but, try to push this one. Yeah. Or but yeah. go back in and do that. And if you exactly do that, you make that adjustment and you maybe get angry for a minute. Yeah, but, but you hear the difference. You take a deep breath and you go, they're right. Later yeah. on. Maybe yeah, that. later on. Right. And I think that's what we're missing right now because we such we we doing everything. We the ANR promotion. We the producer. We the writer. We we doing all that. We got all those hats now. And a lot of these people that that some people don't understand in this industry that it's a team that's helping them do all that. It's not too many people that's doing it all by themselves. That's correct. You know, and 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 and, and keeping the flow like that because it's hard. Because you got everyday life of what you're living. Um, you got to you know you got to do that, and then you got to work about this record, and you know so it's. It's great to have a team behind you to do that. And like you said, that I, I get frustrated because I'm just like, Ugh. it's easier now, but then it's also it's frustrating because it's like it's, not easy. it's a lot of it's a lot of hot mess out there that's out there because you can put it out so fast, I should say. It's not easy, and I'll tell you why. I'm gonna talk from my perspective. Very simple. Maybe you could disagree or agree. Okay. The problem is. They promised us when we were kids, and you will know this too, that when the okay. computer comes in your world, it's going to make your life easier. <laughs> I, have not been, I have never worked so hard and so many hours behind a computer like I do now. They can take the computer yeah. and take it yeah. away. Because I like yeah. the old way. I like the old way of getting on the phone, making deals, and things happened. This new way that we work on a 24-hour clock, yeah. nine-day week, yeah. And and oh wait, and you can do everything and you and you could be great at everything. Right. And it gonna it doesn't work. No, it I think I think what it what is what it is called for, Lenny, is called for being balanced. I think we need to balance to find out what's going on. Um because yeah, I, I I'm with you on that. I just had this conversation with Eric East moving and Hulu just now I I wanted to buy 
uh, actually a hardware keyboard. Like I, I want a physical keyboard and not just software. And right. he was like, Why? You you don't need that because when are you going to use it? Sounds going. I'm like, but it's a keyboard that I want because I think I'd be more creative with it right now. You know, just having a, a, a hard keyboard right there. Turn something on and play it. Right. That's that's the thing. And then they was like, no, but the software, you can get all this for the price of that. You can buy three packages of software. I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, I like that. But for some reason, my heart is saying I need the actual physical keyboard. Because I mean, I have some, but this new one is, is different. And it's just like, it's just going back to, like you said, cutting on the keyboard, playing some stuff, getting the idea down, and then go back and record so before, so, you I, know. before I let you go, because I, I yes. learned more questions, some people are asking me, we know now that what you did with This Is Acid, we know you lived through all that era. What's your workflow today? Like, how do you do, what's your workflow as far as getting the studio? What is it a real studio you're working in? Or well, no, yeah, I would, like what I was saying before, like, everything's so compact now. I mean, everything that, it, it was hard for me earlier in the year, like in the early 2000s, they really get get rid of all my hard gear, which I should have did like yourself and, and kept everything, and then it won't be here where I have to go get it back again. But it, um, it sucks when you got to do that. No, it sucks. That. I had that. I had two nine on nines. I had all this. It's just like, and now I got to go back and grab. But now I think I, I love this computer thing because I think that whenever I have an idea, I can open up put it on a laptop and create with it. Now that doesn't mean that, that you lose the authenticity of uh, just the, the organic feeling of it. It's just, you get to put it out in a faster way. Um, so my workflow is I, everybody talk about my book bag, man. I got everything in there. I got my hard drives, my laptop control, everything in there. And they'd be like, why is it so heavy? Because I don't, I can be anywhere and create something or come up with an idea. The cool thing about it is now we can record everywhere like we couldn't do before. That's you know, true. you can record vocals in a room, put it out, man, through your mic pre, and then eat, and then you know mix and master it later, and it still sounds. And that's what these cats are doing now, man. I mean, sometimes the old way is you think like, yeah, man, old way used to be just so just better and simpler, but now you know we gotta adapt, man. Us, us old fellas gotta adapt a little bit, man, and do a little. So I do both sometimes. And like I said, that's why I, I want to get my old hardware keyboard back again and then incorporate it with the digital world, man. And I think you get the best of both worlds like that. Wow, you really covered it, brother. No, you know yes. what? <laughs> you going back out after this thing is over? You going back out DJing? You gonna be? You gonna? Are you getting itchy again? Are you thinking about? Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm, after this open, I mean, we, me and Hula got a gig in Atlanta on in August, but overseas, you know, still shut down, and. It was stripped out because I've been touring with Hula for the past two years. We've been going out as the Out Here Brothers. You know, Hula's one of the original members of the Out Here Brothers. So I've been performing on stage with 10,000 people for the past two years, man. And I'm kind of missing it, man. And it's crazy because we've been doing everything from... Uh, we went to Spain, uh, you know, Ireland the UK, Amsterdam, and all these festivals we've been doing, man, was like 8,000 plus people, man. It's been crazy that they love, you know, it's going back tonight. They, they doing all 90 stuff. And it's, it's wonderful, man, because we was performing all the classic stuff from the Out Here Brothers, you know, boom, 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 pass the toilet paper, la, 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 hey, hey. And it's crazy, man, that uh, we had gigs 
uh, in August, but you know, they, they canceled because they won't let us in there yet. So, and they don't know if it's going to open up yet. So we just wait, man, just, you know, you got to be still man. And, you know, just say some prayers and so it can open up next year, man. So we can be out here doing some more touring, man. But I'm glad to see everybody else, some people going out and seeing them play, man, which is good, man. And yeah, I think some people need that, you know. Yeah. Some of us are getting back out. So yeah. We're getting there. Yeah. I think it's Carthage, you know, it's, 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 it's relief for some people and it's therapy for some people to get back and do that, man. Because, Ooh. you know, being up closed up in the house, man, for a year, man, it's, it can get to you. It, can, it definitely get to you. You know? last questions is very importantly um made me think about this if you can look back in the sands of time you know when you mm -hmm. talk about Larry Sherman tracks from when you did your first record could you have ever projected from that point to what life would have been like now as far as going back out with Hula and performing because remember you weren't ever meant to perform. right so right, exactly project, did you ever project that that would ever happen like this or you just no, man. I don't think anybody can project what happened. I think we can do it. Is is dream and hope what can happen? Um, I can never imagine, man, that you know myself as a kid coming from a, a suburb out of Chicago, man, uh, making it this far or ever thinking it from that. But I, I tell you one thing: I always knew that I wanted to do something big. I always knew that at first I wanted to do it from the DJ side of it because that was that was what was going on at the time. But then I got out of it, it was like, I want to do it on the music side, something big and just have, you know, because it's nothing like having people dance to your record or the song that you made and they're having a great time and they're dancing and just enjoying themselves, man. That That is the biggest rush. I think that's the biggest payoff at the end of that. You seeing that on the dance floor and they can dance to your record and then come to you and be like, you know, your record changed my life or made me do something, that's the biggest compliment and Isn't biggest payoff of anything. Yeah, Is that that's, that's the biggest. I tell that all the time. I say that all the time. That's the biggest thing. Or, or here's one for you, Mo. You see that boy there? That boy is born. Because of you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So no, like, I mean, yeah. yeah you know that, that is, that's a blessing, man. And I think everyone you had on the show, man, that, I think it's truly blessed to have them on there to tell their stories, man. I think it's more stories to tell. That's oh. why I want everybody to encourage, you know, please fund Lenny and his project so we can try to get this on a bigger platform. I think it's great. I, when you, when you, I, I remember I remember when you first started out, like you was doing this, I was looking at it. I'm like, that's, that's kind of cool. That's what made me do my show, the Maurice Joshua show, because I had different artists from different oh, eras. Wow different genre to do that. And I was like, when you was doing your song, I think I want to do something like that, but on a different, even though I had it, I, uh, uh, I had the idea way before DJ Cassie and all them other stuff. Which is real but, good. He did it. He did it. Yeah. But, but showing you, and the, the, the thing about it is I like how they do all uh, the R&B hip hop, but nobody was doing it on the dance side. That's what I want to do it because we always, we all dance. House music is always like the stepchild where it doesn't get recognized, but it sells too, just like any other genre. It's crazy. And, but it's, Yo, right. this record's it, like multi-platinum. Yeah. Multi it's not like it's it's a bastard music. This music exactly. is open up worlds. And, and there's no violence to it or nothing like that. It's nothing negative to it. Oh, and geez. it's just like, we, we just a stepchild to that. And that's why I want to bring Spotlight. But doing a show like that and know what it takes to do it, that's why I applaud you for keep on doing it because 
It takes time and try to deal with different personalities, man, to get them on and do it. It's, it's, it's really hard, man. People don't understand it, that it's not that easy when you're putting the show together for this for a certain amount of time to get it together. But what I like about this one is because it's everybody on story and it's not hard to tell their own story because you get it out of them. Beautiful. So true house stories, man, is, is where's that? I love it. That's why I want to support so, it. So you know. as, as I'm as I'm thank you, bravo to everyone. But Fareeb Alvarez is screaming at me to let you know. Tell oh, me we're all watching. Richard Thanks, Fareeb. Purple, Eric Patton, a lot of people came through. Um, good, good. Hey, everybody, yeah. Yeah, everybody's through. Got a great, great... Fareed, if y'all don't know, great graphic person. He the one that created my logo, and I use it to this day. I love him. Thank you, Fareed. Appreciate it, brother. And I can't thank you all enough. I want to say one other thing. It's very important. Watch Maurice Joshua. Be careful. Watch him. He's always moving quickly, even though he's, <laughs> like he's slow. He's real fast. He's real yeah. fast. He's got that. Thank you, it's true. It's true. Yeah. I see. He's got a chop that moves quick. Also, I want to announce um, Mark Riley next week. Mark Riley was a major, major contributor in New York to radio. And nice. He, talked, he, he worked with Judy Weinstein at For the Record in the 70s and all that great stuff. Um, I definitely want you all to check out Mark Riley. And again, please don't forget, donate. On donate, y'all. Come on, let's go. I mean, come on, dig deep, like the church says. Get your <laughs> get, 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 get right, but, but also, Lenny, you have to remember twos and fews count too. So, whatever I you got, y'all, come on, cents, ten cents, yeah. one yeah. twos I, and fews count. Let's get it happen. Let's right. do this for community, y'all. We need this to happen, man. I'm behind you. Anything you need from me, man, but better yet, this is what we should do. We should do a true house story party to raise to money for this and let's get it cracking. We can do it in New York, wherever you want to do. I fly out there. Let's get some stuff happening. Let's get everybody you interview. We can we can DJ all together to make this happen. And I think that would be uh that's a true story in itself. Yeah, okay. Everybody go. in the same room. So I'll put it out. I, I just I just put it out there, y'all. We're gonna do a true stories festival to make this happen. So all these platforms can pick it up. I'm in. I'm in. Just say the word. I'm fly out there, man. I'm in. <laughs> and then after that, we can do a studio album. Yes. Two house stories. Studio album. Boom. Yes. Hey, I want a percentage of that, man. Like man, back in Johnny D and everybody. Yes. That's it. Johnny Dem Jims, what's up? I know, I know you're looking at this man. What's happening, brother? You know he's watching it. Where is Johnny Forrest? <laughs> Step up forward. <laughs> That's good, Joshua. Thank you so much. Enjoy your summer. Hopefully, I'll be out there. Hopefully, I'll see you. Absolutely. And again, please stay safe. Keep you. Yeah, everybody, be out there safe, man. Stay too. Be on the lookout, man. There's a lot of stuff going on, but stay safe, y'all. And remember, true house stories, y'all, for real. True house stories. See you all next week. And thank you, Mr. Mo. You got it, Lenny. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lenny. Over fast. He's moving. Right. Yeah, just be, be on the lookout, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Stay with me for one second. Good night, everyone around the world.